Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Man, it's been a minute, guys. It has been a minute between the New Year's is always really big for everybody's health and fitness goals. I stay pretty busy around the New Year. But man, this year, I got hit really bad the past two weeks with a cold and just a tiny little cold, guys. I get sinus infections really easy. My dad was the same way. And so a tiny little cold, doesn't matter how small it is. Alex is always like, oh my goodness, like (laughs) start using. There's this thing called the teapot that helps kind of drain sinuses. And I grew up just having to use it because I just get infections. My little link is the same way. We thought it was a sinus infection. I still think he did get one, but then he also got, was hit by pink eye and then that spread to my other child. And it, anyways, it's just been a crazy beginning of the new year. And do you know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful that I don't put a whole lot of stock into the new year, right? There are a lot of people that do. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. Personally, I think that there is a better way. And that is deciding that there's no perfect time to start, right? The new year will not, there's nothing magical about about it. In and of itself, it it actually won't ensure that you hit your desired outcome or goal. There's nothing special about it. Just like there's nothing special about Mondays. I mean, how many of you have heard or said, I know I've said, oh, I'll start on Monday. Why do we think that there's something magical about Monday? Or I'll start again tomorrow. There's, there is something, I would say, we have created something about a new day. It feels good, a new beginning. And we have labeled that as, well, that's tomorrow, a new day, or Monday, a new beginning, or the first day of the month, or the first day of the year. We have created that. There's actually in and of itself nothing special about it, right? In fact, I think one of my favorite moments coaching was when a client told me that they had found themselves halfway through a box of a package of Oreos and they stopped and were like, what am I doing? You know, I I think a lot of us kind of found ourselves in that moment. It doesn't have to be directly about Oreos or food. Have you ever had that happen just in life in general? You kind of have that moment, you stop and you look around and you suddenly realize where your life choices have led you. And you're like, what am I doing? I know better. I am better. Why am I doing this? Why am I my standards, not having boundaries, allowing this and this and that from other people or myself, right? I think that that's so common to just kind of have that aha moment. Do you know what else is so common in those aha moments? To be, okay, okay, I'm going to do better. I'll start Monday. I'll start tomorrow. I'll start, oh, well, it's December. uh, So I'll start January 1st, I'll start the new year. And we always choose this date so far in the future. 
And, and this beautiful moment of my client when she said, it dawned on me as I'm going through this, we'll all start again tomorrow. Today's already a wash. I'll just let, you know, keep going crazy today with foods and then I'll start again tomorrow. And she said it was this incredible moment when she realized my new beginning will start now, this very second. I don't have to continue making these poor choices for a minute longer, not days, not months, not hours, not, not a minute longer. My new beginning starts now. So I was talking about this with actually somebody on Instagram, how I was a little frustrated. This isn't how I wanted my new years to begin. <laughs> on top of it, guys, oh, my app, oh, I mean, you can imagine this, all of the excitement around the New Year's. I have all of these new signups and my app gets a massive bug in it. And it is now ruining other people's massive New Year's goals. Support is working nonstop, but we can only do so much because we have hired out this company and using their app. And it's just like these bugs and people couldn't get to the, oh my gosh, it was, guys, it was not how I wanted to begin the new year. And I was expressing some frustration just about kind of being sick. This person didn't know all of this other stuff that I'm dealing with and personal struggles, just getting started figuring out the in vitro process too. Heads up for you, we are doing IVF this month. And I, I do ask one thing. I, I've had a lot of failed IVFs. I've had uh, five miscarriages, some of them extending us not finding out to like 13, 14 weeks out, right? I share that we're doing one last, last IVF. I have two frozen embryos. I want to share this this uh, time period, but I am also going to put down boundaries that if you follow me on Instagram, or if you want to send me a message on Instagram or an email and be like, Hey, Lynn's, how's your in vitro going? Just know a few things about this process. It is ridiculously heavy, emotional, and hard. Um, I've also started taking hormone shots that in and of themselves, they cause a lot of changes within the body and uh, just emotional changes. So it is a tender time. If you are curious about what's going on with the in vitro process on Instagram, I have saved stories on it. If you haven't heard anything, there, there might be a good reason. So if you want updates, go there. Okay. Um, I just ask that you don't reach out personally and ask me. I would hate for you to be the person who, if I, I've just had so many miscarriages and IVFs and IUIs, not not work out. I would hate it if you messaged me and were like, "Hey, how's it going? I'm so excited for you. This is so fun. How's it going?" I'm like, "Well, I just found out I had a miscarriage, so this isn't so fun, <laughs> right?" Like, I would. Hate for you to feel that uncomfortableness, right? Of oops. 
So just know that that's my boundary. If you if you're if you have questions, if you're curious about it, I don't blame you. But but um, it under save stories on Instagram, you'll be able to see the updates. So, anyways, this has been a crazy New Year's, and I and I was talking about this isn't how I wanted to start my New Year's, and a woman wrote to me and she goes, "Isn't it great though that neither you nor I hold a whole lot of stock in the New Year?" And I just kind of laughed when I saw that message because I'm like, she is so right. She is so right. I don't at all. I mean, I, there's a little bit of it in the air just because I know a lot of people are thinking about it. And it, I do think it's a good time to pause and say, yeah, what, what changes do I want to see in the next 12 months? But to be honest, at the beginning of every month, I'm always like, what changes do I want to see in the next 30 days? Or at the beginning of a quarter, what what do I want to see? What outcomes do I want to see at the end of this three months? I'm always thinking that way. And and I'm I'm much like my client who believes that new beginnings can start literally right now. You don't have to wait for some magical fictional date or tomorrow or Monday or you know, a new year or even a beginning of a quarter. I have trained myself over time to put really no stock into that. But with that being said, <laughs> I do want to share that I still do like setting outcomes. That's what I call them. I don't know why I don't call them goals. When I'm talking to other people, I usually say like, oh, I have goals because that's their language that they'll understand. But but it's funny because right in front of me right now, I have this big whiteboard. I love writing stuff down. I am a pen and paper or a marker and whiteboard kind of gal. I love it. There's something therapeutic about writing it all down and seeing it. Or maybe I feel like I'm some kind of smart scientist. I don't know. Like I'm writing it all down, writing the paths that will lead me where. But it is kind of funny because right now I do have right in front of me, I have this list of outcomes on one side. So this is how I write out my, my goals or future plans or things that I want to see. And I don't just have it about fitness or business. I have it about family. I have it about relationships. I have it about my marriage. So I usually write this on a huge whiteboard and I, I draw a line down the center. And on the right side, I write out the outcomes that I want to see. And on the left side, I write out the paths and systems that will get me there. So I think a lot of people do this wrong. I think a lot of people think that if they have a goal and they write down their goal, and every day they look at their goal that they're going to hit it. But that is not the best approach. There's always good, better, best, right? That, that may be good. I mean, I mean, it keeps the idea of what you want right in front of you. But usually the problem isn't that somebody hasn't written down or know the outcome they want. 
I know a lot of people are like, I really want to lose weight. I really want to lose weight. I really want to lose weight. And every day they fixate on it. Every day they think about it. In fact, it's everything they think about. And yet every day they are no closer to the outcome than the day before, 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 or the year before. So writing out the outcome is just the beginning. So this month in Be Strong, which is my membership site, we have books every month, a new book that we read together. And you don't have to participate if if you don't want to, but I call it the walking book club because I want to encourage people just like walk around your house, just put in an audio book, walk around your house for a good 15 minutes, get another 1500 steps, whether that's cleaning, washing your windows, your mirrors, deep cleaning, laundry, like, or just walking around your neighborhood or wherever right now in Utah, it's freezing. So so I'm not going outside for my walks, but just another 15 minutes is what I want to encourage people to do. Another 15 minutes of movement. And a lot of times it feels good just to pop in a, a good podcast or a book. And so I want these to be really productive times, not just getting steps in, but choosing books that will help lead people to their highest selves. And so this month we've chosen Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you have not read that book again, I've read this book two times. This is my third time reading it and I still have just as many aha moments as I did the first time I read this book. It is so good. And I I listen to it and I have the book because I like marking stuff in books. And when I'm driving to the grocery store, I'll listen to books. People often will be like, how many, how, how do you read three to four books a month? I listen to so many of them as I just like, I'll drop my kids off at school. I like talking to them. As soon as they get out of the car, pop in a good book as I'm grocery shopping, walking, whatever. So this month is James Clear. This book is amazing, guys. It is so good. And I love how he says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. He has this entire section about how just having a goal doesn't get you there. You have to, and focusing all your time and energy on having that goal, not what gets you there. So I have said this a lot. I feel like people oftentimes are in a diet mind or just have a diet mindset where they fixate on fat loss so much and fixate on all the things that they need to do, but they don't do any of it. They kind of maybe a little bit, but they're exhausted mentally and physically because they spend so much time thinking about the goal. And they spend so little time actually creating systems that carry them through to finally obtain the goal or the desired outcome. So systems are key. They really are. Just having the goal is not key. It's knowing the path that gets you there and then actually following it. So in another podcast, I shared that because I had somebody ask me the question, how do you keep life balance and not get too pulled into your fitness goals? And I'll let you guys listen to that whole episode. The main thing is that I have a lot of goals, not just 
health body goals. So that helps keep me balanced. So right now on this whiteboard, I have family goals. What I want to really see in my family. So on the right hand side, I'm, I've just spent a lot of time thinking about this and I wrote all the outcomes that I want to see. So I'm just going to share a few of them with you. I'm just going to kind of go down this list. I want my kids to be hard workers. I want them to learn how to do hard things with a little less complaining, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, I want them to learn how to manage money and wants. There's nothing wrong with wants. But you need to learn how to manage them so that you don't get swept away by them. I want them to learn how to read the scriptures and actually learn the language of the scriptures. I want them to feel safe and loved in expressing their emotions. No thought, no emotion is off limits. They can express those things to me and they find safety with me. Oh man, guys, that one, we could have a whole episode in and of itself about that one. Um, I want them to eat healthier with less sugar. I'm not an anti-sugar person. But do you know how freaking hard it is? Our kids are just inundated with sugar. Even those who don't, like my sister went through a three-month sugar fast with her kids. No processed sugar. They could have fruit. That was the extent. She really wanted to just kind of clear out their palate, and I get that. Because if you're used to high sugar everything, then that's what your palate is used to. And other sweets won't taste as sweet. My brother went to Japan for two years on a service mission. And when he came back, he brought some Japanese candy. And I tried it and I was like, that is not sweet at all. It It's not bad. It tastes good, but it's not sweet. Like this isn't, to me, it wasn't candy. And then my brother, after two years of eating only, you know, food from Japan, he had a candy bar and he was like, oh my gosh, this is, he was like, this is way too sweet. It was the funniest thing ever just because he wasn't used to it anymore. Children and sugar, it's hard. I'm actually really glad that our kids go to the schools that they do right now. Two of them go to a school called Challenger. And Challenger is very much like we don't reward kids with candy. We don't do that for a lot of reasons. One of the main reasons is they need to learn to start doing hard things and feeling accomplished. We want them to feel accomplished. We want them to do things on their own and get that feeling of independence. Like that leads to a lot of self-confidence and um, we don't want them doing things right to get sugar, to get candy. I was so grateful for that because two years ago, my kids went to another school close by and this teacher, she was just doing her best. Okay. She was just doing her best. I didn't agree with it, but she, but I, I, I really do. I, my heart reaches out to teachers. They're just trying their best. I get it. But her thing was, I'm going to have this huge bag of candy 
and I'm going to ask a question and whoever raises their hand and says it right, I'll give you candy. Well, my daughter is the one who's like front and center raising her hand for every single question. She's literally eating sugar all day long. And I, it drove me nuts. It drove me nuts because then they go to church on the weekends and the church teachers feel like they need to provide a treat at the end of every lesson. I'm like, you don't. You don't need to just, like, why can't we just teach our children to do good, to listen, because it has its own rewards? We don't need to use candy as this reward system. It drives me nuts, guys, okay? As I'm sure you can feel that over this podcast. The two other things that I have on that outcome list for my children is I want to teach them to serve others. And I want their worldview to expand. So I have this whole list. Now, these are relatively vague outcomes, right? How do you measure my children's worldview expanding? How do you measure that they, you know, have served enough or know to serve or all of these things, right? But these are general outcomes that I want. And I know that these things take time. So what I'm going to focus on are the paths and the systems that will get them there. So on the left-hand side, I have these paths that they're going to daily, weekly, monthly be working towards that will in and of themselves naturally lead to the desired outcome. You know, one of the things when I do like one-on-one calls or when I do my weekly live calls with Be Strong membership um, users, one of the things that I repeat the most often is like, what are your systems? What systems do you have in place? And all last month, we had about four lessons go out on systems. And this month, we're now doing that even more because this month's goal is becoming the master of protein. But we've got to get systems in place. They might be hard at first, but true systems turn into autopilot. So it it takes a lot of effort at first. But once you get that habit and system, in a few months, it's just on autopilot and it just naturally leads you to the outcome. And I've been thinking a lot about this, these systems, and also like, what is the low hanging fruit? What can I just change by 1% today? And then in a few weeks, change by another 1%. Then in a few weeks, change by another 1%. It's like once you get a new system in place, then you kind of add a little bit more on top. And this becomes a natural path that turns things on autopilot to now I just have this healthy life. And a lot of times people will be like, well, how do you get from where you were, Lindsay, eating chocolate and cheese? No concept of health and nutrition beyond what other people think are healthy, right? The the green juice drinks and all of that. Like 
people ha- sometimes have a weird sense of what what's healthy. Um, but what's healthy is creating these systems that just turn on autopilot that lead you over time to your desired outcome. And so that's what I've been focusing a lot on. And as I've been looking at my family, what are these systems? What can we change by 1% today that will have that incredible outcome in five years? So on that left-hand side is, is where I'm, I'm doing all of that. Let's actually talk about the eating healthy with minimal sugar. Recently, I had a woman write in on Be Strong where they can ask me questions. And she's like, I'm, I'm just really frustrated. I've come to this really good place with food, having a better relationship with it, um, better systems, but but my family is struggling and my kids don't eat healthy. And, and I, we don't want our kids to sit there and track macros. Like let's, that'd be like weird. Like we're not going to have them do that, but we still want them to be fueling their body, right? Getting nutrients and not eating all the sugar. And, and we, we also know the negative impacts that it can have with food relationship issues and even body issues by overemphasizing like sugar bad, that's bad for you, that's a toxin. Like that type of talk is actually showing some pretty negative outcomes. People who talk that way tend to have bad relationships with food, body dysmorphia, bad relationship with um, working out, um, over utilizing those things. So we want to make sure that we're teaching our children while keeping a healthy mindset, right? I have had those same frustrations with my children. They're, why would they come home and eat a relatively healthy meal when literally all day long, my daughter is getting sugar from her teacher for answering questions right, right? So so why would she then eat her lunch, the healthy lunch that I pack her? She She's not even that hungry because she she's just been eating sugar all the way up to lunchtime. So then she barely nibbles on lunch, throws it all away, goes to waste, goes back to her classroom where once again she's getting candy, um, and then comes home, wants a treat because food is now just treats. And I, it's, it was really hard. I was so grateful when we sent her to Challenger. And they're even like, if it's your child's birthday, don't send candy and sugar. So believe me when I say I have dealt with these frustrations. Now, earlier, mid uh, last year, we had made a lot of really positive changes and it was so awesome. We were seeing our kids finally sit down and eat healthy meals and dinners and not have to have uh, treats and sweets all day long. We had made these changes. And I'll share a lot of those changes with you today. But then the holidays came and we started traveling a lot too. So we had Halloween and we were on a cruise 
And then we came back for Halloween. And then there were a few Halloween parties before that. Thanksgiving, we ended up traveling for around uh, Thanksgiving time too. And then we had Christmas where, you know, tons of daily treats were being brought over by neighbors. And I usually love all of that. And that's fine. I love showing my children, like, you can just take a few. You don't have to eat all of them, right? But all of a sudden, my house is just full of all of this candy. And I feel like I'm pretty good at navigating myself around that, but my children have let yet to learn that. And so a lot of times what parents will do is they'll use fear, like, oh, that's evil, that's bad, sugar's bad, don't do that. Or they're, they're on the other side of the spectrum where they're so scared of their child developing some type of eating disorder or feeling bad about themselves, and so they won't even talk about it, right? We have to fall somewhere in the middle. But what I noticed is even having a little bit of these treats, my children, they didn't have a healthy approach to it. And so I knew what we had to do. We had to go back to what we had established earlier on that year. So let me go through that. Now, I did go through and I got rid of all of the treats the day after Christmas all of them. And I talked about this on Instagram and some people were saying, wait, 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 but you teach that, um, these were genuine questions. I don't think anybody was coming at me and, and rightfully so good questions saying, wait, 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 but how do you teach navigating around treats if you're just getting rid of all of them? And I'm like, look, I'm really good at navigating around it, but my kids aren't. And right now their palate has actually changed over the past three months to all they want is sugar. And if it's not really high sugar, then it doesn't quote unquote taste good. Literally my four-year-old was telling me that. Like those were his words saying, if it's not sugar, it doesn't taste good. I don't want it for dinner. There were some, within just a few months, we had fallen right back into this rut. So I went back to the system that was working really, really, really well. So the first thing is I changed our environment. I had to get rid of everything, not because I think it's evil or bad, but the environment was not setting my children up for success because they don't know how to work that environment. I think this is kind of a common sense principle, right? You're not going to give your eight-year-old child a cell phone with access to everything, all the social media they want, all the YouTube they want, all the TikTok they want. I mean, we're really not going to do that, right? We're not going to do that because there is an environment on there that they don't know how to navigate yet. So my children personally don't have phones and, and won't have phones until both they and I are in a place where uh, we can put in a lot of time and energy into the educational process and slowly introduce different environments and how to be healthy in those environments. So that was my thing. I need to get rid of this current environment. I need to change it. And so that there's really no treats and 
I need to help them kind of clear out that desire of wanting just sugar all day long. We, we need to kind of step away from sugar as much as we can right now. And so that was step number one. Step number two was to get rid of all treats, like all bars, all just like little, really sweet treats. Um, and get them, if they came to me saying they wanted a snack, I said, you can have some fruit. That was it. Because another problem is they were trying, and they would sneak into the cupboard too and get all of these snacks and everything. And then they wouldn't want to eat dinner. Or I'd be like, yeah, you can have that snack. So then they just kind of freely ate and then they would barely touch dinner. And then half an hour later be like, well, I'm hungry. Well, yeah, of course they're not going to eat their meals. They were snacking all day long. So I decided I'm going to show them what I do right now with my own clients. Eat large meals, large nutrient-dense meals. Minimize all snacking. So I'm going to introduce to my children what I do for myself and my clients right now. So I got rid of all of those, all chips. Now I did keep my popcorners. They're not sweet and they don't have that same satisfaction as regular chips where you can just keep eating, 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 eating. A lot of them are not like that. The ones that we have in our home aren't. And so I kept those and my children could take those to school. Those were not a snack to be had uh, at home. So then I put them on a schedule of meals. We have breakfast. You go to school, you eat the lunch, you come back. We can have a meal when you get back from school because they're usually hungry. So this is kind of like a smaller meal. You could call it a snack, but it's something that's going to be large enough to hold them till dinner. And if in between that, they still want something, we always tell them, you can have fruit. And then after dinner, if they're like, oh, I, I st I'm still hungry, you should have had more dinner. You can have fruit. Since we've done this before, the children just kind of knew we talked to them about this, explained why we were doing it, and, which really, really helped. We are getting on board. I am loving it. We are back to our children eating meals. I do want to talk about one other thing. What do I do as far as vegetables? Because I have kids that don't like vegetables, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm not a huge vegetable eater. I don't really enjoy them. Um, I do it more because like, I know I need to eat it, but that's really hard to have your kids do that. So as far as greens and vegetables and, and try, like, think what is the purpose of having greens and vegetables? The purpose is, in my opinion, to give your, your children variety in their diet. Uh, so I will have it on the table. If they eat it, great. I try to at least encourage them to try it. But the other main reason is because we want them to have the, the nutrients and the vitamins, right? Well, 
fruit also has nutrients and vitamins. They may not have as much as vegetables, but they still have them and they have antioxidants. And so I will now put fruit on the table for every dinner. I love watching my children just eat uh, a serving of the, the meal that I have and gobble up their grapes or the, the cantaloupe or the bananas or the strawberries or the blueberries or the raspberries. Like I feel like, do you know what? At least they are getting nutrients and vitamins from there. I have other children who will have three servings of greens, like two days ago, green beans. My daughter, Elsie, three servings of them. She loved them. My other daughter won't touch them. And so I'm like, you know, I'm just grateful she is eating these blueberries and raspberries with her dinner. So that's something that I've started doing is if the goal really is to help them get more nutrients, to help them get more variety in their diet, we can do that through fruits too. We'll be encouraging healthy whole foods still, right? Um, So that's one thing that I've started doing. Another thing that I've started doing is asking them like, what kind of meals do you like? What do you prefer? And getting their input. So as I get their input, then I take that and I make healthier versions. Sometimes it's a hit and a success and sometimes it's not. But I have stopped making more than one meal. I, I don't know if, if you've ever done this before, but your children won't eat the meal. And so I told them, fine, then go and make your own chicken nuggets then. Just get something to eat. I'm not going to make another meal. And I thought that that was a good step in the right direction, which I think it was making them like make their own. Like if you want something else, then you can, but I'm not making another meal. Well, I finally stopped doing that. I, I finally realized I am training them or they are training me <laughs> actually, and we're wasting food. So I stopped doing that. And I started telling them like, there are meals that I make that I'm like, ooh, I'm not a big fan of this. I don't like it. I'm not going to make it again. But it's the food that we have. And so I will eat it. And I'll, I have sides that I can enjoy too. But I have stopped saying it's okay to get another meal. And everything's a battle at first. Everything. If you think that your kids are going to be like, okay, mom, sounds great, then you are in for disappointment and high levels of frustration. It's just not going to happen. They're they're going to fight you. And, And it's not that that's a bad thing. They're pushing boundaries. That's actually part of maturing and growing. That's how the brain works. I'm going to push to see what I can get kind of thing. You do it. Maybe the tactics are a little different than your children's, but you still do it. So we can't be upset with our children doing something that's actually natural for human development. But we can decide to be the parent and we can decide to be the adult and not let them and and hold your ground and say no. 
Now, what I've just shared may not work for a lot of people. And some people may be like, oh, that's going to, that'll be great. Remember what I said, everything is about trying something out, seeing what works, what doesn't, and learning how to pivot. Okay. The same is true with your children, but you cannot try something once and then be like, oh, it didn't work for my family. Seriously. That's like eating one salad and being like, what? Well, I didn't lose weight. So doesn't work. You have to be consistent. That is the most important thing. So let me just kind of go over a quick list of just kind of what I've already talked about, just main takeaways on this subject. The quick list of what has stuck before, and then we kind of got out of it because of holidays and everything and travel. And now going back to it, it's feeling really good. I mean, it feels so good. Yesterday, I made dinner and and we're talking about healthy. It was lasagna, 35 grams of protein per serving. And because we had been putting our foot down and not allowing them to snack all day. And if they wanted a snack, then I would cut up some, they could have some carrots, they could have some apples. And I just put my foot down on that. And, um, and so when they sat down, they were actually hungry for the meal. My daughter, Elsie ate three servings. Hazel and Link had two. And then afterwards, probably about an hour and a half right before bed, they were like, no, I'm hungry. It was probably two hours right before bed. Oh, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, then we'll cut up an apple or let me cut up some fruit. That's what we had. So let me go through this, this quick list. Fruit at every dinner. Like that has really worked for my kids to get them more nutrients, more variety. Two, they help me choose the recipe. I even show them pictures. Um, And then I also get feedback on whether it's a keeper or not. And it's interesting because the longer they stay away from the highly processed foods and treats and snacks, the more they say yes to the healthier food options. But also I really do try to hear what they have to say. Like they really like hamburgers. So once a week we have hamburgers and I make them out of 96% lean ground beef. It's nothing fancy. Just season them up, grill them up. We have that once a week and they are so excited. They they all love their hamburgers. Okay. So, so I really do take their feedback and I love even getting on Pinterest and they really like chicken nuggets. Well, bear chicken nuggets are actually really good. And we air fry them so they can have their, you know, chicken nuggets once a week. And I'll take that and and throw it in a salad or or get creative with that. But I do like to show them that I care what they think. And I'm dinner's not just for me. But I do also explain to them, look, I need I need you to eat healthy too. I need you to fuel your body right. Another thing is my kids are at the age 9, 10, where I have started telling them um, to help out with the cooking process. When they help make the food, they usually are a lot different in their reaction to it. Like I said, not letting them snack throughout the day, getting them used to eating larger meals. And then 
like I said, getting rid of all of the treats. It is, it is so hard, but it is really cool after a few weeks to watch them love eating fruit. And that's like a treat for them. Or I will make my uh, protein ice cream and I make it for them too, because they just love it. That's a big treat that they get once a week. You know, growing up, we didn't have treats every single day. Like that, that's mind blowing that we do that now because growing up, I don't know about you guys, but we didn't do that. Maybe once a week, my mom made a dessert. Um, School didn't provide treats for us every week. Church didn't provide treats for us every week. This is like a thing that I'm seeing in these younger generations that is just kind of mind blowing to me. I don't like it. And so I'm going to try to really push back. And even when I'm in church callings, I try to push back on it. And I try to encourage, don't use treats or even ask the parents if it's okay. Because maybe the parents are like, no, I don't want you bringing 12 cookies to my child every week just to sit through church or school or something, right? So anyways, these are things that have really, really, really helped me. But the first few weeks, are I always get big pushback. And then it's like their palate gets used to the the lower treats. Do you know what? We have cereal every once a week. And do you know what I do? I buy this cereal from Trader Joe's because it's not as sweet. So they get this kick, but they don't want to keep having bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. And then they don't want to be snacking on it all day long. It's like one bowl with some fruit and an egg and they're like, yep, I'm set. I'm done. So choosing the lower sweetened options and getting them used to it, their palate used to it, and ours need to get used to those things as well. So I have really enjoyed the past few weeks watching my kids go back to eating full meals again, back to eating more healthy with minimal sugar. They usually don't fight as much. Their energy levels are so much better throughout the day. Um, So it really, really helps not just physically, but even mentally, even emotionally, how they show up. So I, it's something that I really want to strongly encourage each one of you to look at the food culture in your family. And maybe what I do isn't right for you, but just looking and seeing what can I change by just 1% today, by just 1% today. And then in a few weeks, what can I change 1% today, right? Just have that mentality of just little changes and include your family in on it. You really can. You can include them in and say, this is what we've been doing and it's not working. So like, what can we do? Or this is what I think is going to be best and we're going to try it out. Kind of having those, those family councils. I hope you guys have a wonderful, I know this wasn't like entirely fitness related or training related or, or whatever, but last, uh, I've actually had a lot of people asking me if I could speak more on my lifestyle and my family and how I've been able to incorporate health and fitness into my family more and just life balance, life balance, because life is so much more than a six pack, right? 
Uh, it's so much more. I mean, PRs feel great in the gym, but life is so much more than that. And there are other PRs that we can hit outside of the gym. And, and my encouragement to you would be, what are the PRs that you want to see outside the gym? What are some personal bests that you want to see with your family or even how you show up with your family so that you can enjoy your family more and life so much more? Anyways, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will talk to you later. 